0: Greetings, everyone. Thanks for jumping in again. This is Ecclesiastes' video. We are, in just a moment, going to tackle what I believe to be the theme of the book. Uh, if there's a, I think there's a philosophy behind, behind the book, but then I think there is a theme that we could pull out. I'm going to get there in just a minute, but as is tradition, uh, something in my office, something memorable, something that reflects back really quickly. Uh, today we have a chess set. So this is a marble little chess board. It's got a little case here that I got it. Uh, This is something I actually picked up in my late teens and uh, early 20s or so. I spent a a good amount of time with my wife as a missionary. Uh, I spent months at a time, a couple different times, I guess, a month at a time, uh, in China, Hong Kong, and then through mainland China. And I picked up this chess set. I was in a uh, city in China called Xi'an, X-I-A-N. It's a really amazing place, a cool place. We were there meeting with, uh, really with representatives of of church, and um, there's Terracotta Warriors there with this cool thing, you could look it up. But while we were there, uh, I was getting into chess. I love chess, they had a bunch of these hand-carved like marble chess set kind of things It comes with, this is one little piece, you can't see it, but uh, he's gone there. And I keep this as well as another chess set that I got from a friend, um, and I keep those in my office. Uh, sometimes, back in, depending on where I've been or how much room I had, get a little table set up, I keep them set up all the time for a game or two. So that's that. Chest sets, super fun, brain teasy. Plus, this is meaningful to me. I bought it. Uh, coming up on twenty years ago now, I guess, uh, in China. All right, so we ready? I said we were going to hit what I believe to be really the major topic, uh, the major topic that you could pull. If there's one thread that you pull through and say, "Well, what do we do with this?" Uh, I don't believe that that's what the Book of Ecclesiastes lends itself to. It's not a book that is much of a command. In other words, I would never say just read the book of Ecclesiastes and then live like this. But I do believe that there is one thing that we can pull from it. If there's something that's being pressed upon us, something that's saying you should look toward this, uh, I do believe we can find that. It's a philosophy book. It's a philosophy book about the ultimate meaning of life, about the fact that here under the sun we can never find ultimate meaning. And really, I think what ends up happening is, is it's a wisdom book that presses the wisdom of seeing through things here in the earth. And you really, if you've ever experienced grief or you've ever experienced a, a kind of listlessness in life, a wondering about your identity, this existential crisis that so many people have, I think Solomon is a, is a voice to you to say, It could be that you're growing in wisdom. Don't despair. It could be that you're finally, you're just learning enough about the world and yourself to see that ultimate meaning is not here. So that's the philosophy of the book. But I do think that there's something that we should take out as a theme. I've mentioned this in earlier videos and we're just going to tackle it head on. What does the book of Ecclesiastes say about joy? What does it say about joy? This book, of all of all of the listlessness that it mentions, the fact that it opens with vanity and continues there, uh, it is surprisingly clear about this one fact, about the pursuit of and the receiving of joy in this life. So what I want to do is I want to consider and look at the places in this book that describe joy and give some, some outlines of the way that, that the word joy or rejoicing is used And then consider some of the, maybe the path to joy that is offered to us here in Ecclesiastes. So let's do that. I'm going to actually open by reading a section in chapter 11. You can tell we're getting down toward the the end of the book, this wisdom literature. Uh, Down toward the end of the book. This is a section, verses 7 through 9. And it might surprise you because Solomon, here as he's writing, comes to some some conclusions that are brighter. Here's what he says, starting in verse 7. Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. He's imagining a sunny day being outside. He says in verse eight, so if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. Let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. So do you see what's being weaved together here? He says, let him rejoice in them all. But remember, the days of darkness will be many. There's still the theme of vanity, but he's commanding and he's saying you can pull joy into your life. Verse 9, which is a well-known passage perhaps from Ecclesiastes, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Rejoice in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that all these things, for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Then he goes on to say in verse 10, Remove vexation from your heart. This, these verses are clear as he's rounding out, probably near the end of his life in Ecclesiastes, Solomon is telling us you can find joy, there's real joy to be had, there is pleasure, there is a rejoicing that is fitting and right, and that's just one place, it shows up often. In fact, if there's ever summary statements or if there's hope, glimmers of hope in this book, it is focused on joy. So what I wanna say is I'm gonna look through some of the passages, all the different times that he commends joy, and we're gonna to try to summarize a little bit. So if you're ready for that, I wrote some of these things down. Where does joy show up? And I just did a little word studies throughout Ecclesiastes, you could do this too. If you have a habit of reading the Bible, maybe make little notes, or uh, sometimes it's you can study a topic that way. It's not all there is to be said about the Bible. Uh, your concordance is not the uh, infallible rule of Bible study, but it's a helpful tool. So I just thought joy, the word joy itself, where does it show up in the book? Well, we find in chapter two, verse 26, a major theme we're gonna come back to later. And Ecclesiastes tells us flat out, God gives joy to the one whom he is, he is pleased by, who he pleases. God gives joy. So joy is something that is real, it's given. Chapter three, verse 12, we are told that we should be joyful and do good. I think there's a connection here, doing good righteousness, there's a connection between righteousness and joy, which is consistent with all of scripture, but especially in Ecclesiastes. Uh, Someone might argue in chapter 3, well, does that mean be joyful and then also do good? Or there's a connection, I think there's, of course, a connection between these things. Chapter 7, just the word joy, chapter 7, verse 14, that should be obvious to, to people, it's a little bit of a cliche. He says that there is joy in prosperity and wealth. So, Money can't buy happiness, but I'm willing to let it try. That kind of sentiment, you know. Prosperity. And he says in, basically in chapter 7 that there is a kind of joy in embracing when good times come. That's a wise thing. You should not be the kind of person who when things are going well are racked by fear and uh, joylessness or a guilt that things are good and you cannot enjoy them. He says in chapter 7, starting in verse 14, enjoy when good things come. You can do that. Chapter 8, joy is actually commanded. He says, eat, drink, and be merry. Eat, drink, and be merry. Again, something that's a consistent theme throughout this book. Uh, Similar in eating and drinking, chapter 9, verse 7. Really, 7 through 9 is another section. I almost read that as a representative of joy in the whole book. He says that uh, a man can learn to enjoy his bread and eat wine to make his heart... Eat wine. To drink wine to make his, his heart merry. So that's the word joy. It also shows up if you search the word, enjoy. So there's joy and then enjoy. Again chapter two, right before the idea that God gives joy as a gift, he says that there can be an enjoyment in toil, which is interesting because we talked about toil earlier as a place of vanity and a place of striving and effort. But ultimately there's this, there's this trick, if you've worked on something, if you've ever really put yourself into something and seen the fruit of it, you do know that there's a kind of joy in that that's given. And Solomon recommends this in chapter two, verse 24. 5, chapter 5, 18, he says the same thing, but there is an enjoyment. What is left for man except to find enjoyment to all of his toil? Um, I already mentioned chapter 9, verse 9, that we should rejoice and enjoy the wife of our youth. Now that comes in chapter 9. And then finally, a word for rejoicing. So rejoicing. Chapter 3, 22, back to this theme of work again. We should rejoice in our work. Rejoicing, enjoying, enjoying. These are uh, enjoying these are used all the way through so we want to ask ourselves a couple of questions and i think it's a good way to study first what is joy (laughs) and maybe we should just define it right according to ecclesiastes what is joy how is this is it even possible you might be saying well i can imagine something like it but is it even possible and i would say that joy as defined by scripture and especially in ecclesiastes is is a restful peaceable pure appropriate receiving of good just for for good's sake a, a settledness and that's that's the kind of, of joy it's a it's a feeling of completeness it's a it's a, an ability to live in a moment to look around to see something as good to call it good and to to actually participate in the good that is a sense of of joy there's an unassuming nature to joy where it's not something that you've manufactured uh, you You're not pretending to put on a face, but joy, when you have it for real, is something that that rests upon you as much as it is something that you're grasping for. Those are the kind of ideas of joy that Ecclesiastes is going to put forward. I want to give a couple of concepts here, and I think this is clear in this book. What are the keys to joy? How do we get there? Number one, and this is consistent with all that offers meaning and all that is pleasurable in life. Number one. Don't make joy an idol. Don't make joy an idol. That is what he is going to say. All in life that is not designed to be God will enslave you. If you make things not designed to be God, God, they will be terrible gods to you. A striving for joy, a manufacturing it, a desire, a kind of desperate need for joy in and of itself will ruin it at the outset. If you are the kind of person who's always looking ahead, always calculating, always wanting more, 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 you will never, ever find the kind of joy that is commended to us in Scripture. First theme, key to joy. Stop seeking it. That's, and I, I would actually say this, joy in that way is a lot like friendship. There's a famous essay on friendship by C.S. Lewis that he says that people who only want friends for friends' sake will never have them. Because it requires a a mutual interest, a shoulder-to-shoulder mutual interest at something else. And that concept, if you're the kind of person who just constantly measures your happiness and is striving for it and trying to manufacture it, you'll not get there. You'll create a kind of desperation of soul that imagines somehow that if you can achieve this joy, you'll be satisfied fully. In other words, you've made it a god. And Solomon says, don't do that. That's not going to lead you there. Second, second path. So first one, don't make it an idol. Second path, you must receive joy. I think one of the keys to it throughout, throughout this whole book, it says what God gives to people is joy. So joy has as a prerequisite, humility and understanding that it is something from the outside of us That when we encounter joy, it's because someone other than us, namely God, our creator, has given us this moment, this time, this capacity, this good thing. All goodness, all beauty, all truth from him. And to find joy, the prerequisite for joy is to come to the world with hands open and understanding that all that we have is a gift, fleeting as it is, that this moment is a gift. So joy comes to those who are humble. Joy comes to those who are humble, who have modest goals in life, who aren't, who aren't trying to stack meaning upon meaning upon meaning. There's a, there's a momentary fleeting nature of joy and the person who would find it, who find real happiness, is willing, in many ways, to shut off the pursuit of else and to just rest and to, within themselves, feel the kind of eruption of happiness that goes with realizing That you as a creature, though um, unmerited, though you've not earned this, though you're not worthy of this, you don't deserve these things, though you as a creature, God has looked down upon and given good things. It's why so many people to find good, to find real joy, end up stopping and pausing and they just look around and they say relationships and love and friends and good food and taste buds and the, the air. It's why Ecclesiastes 11 verse 7, it starts with, It's a good thing for the eyes to see the sun. Do you see how simple this is? He hasn't made the sun. He can take no credit for it. But you can receive joy in a moment of just, uh, it's like my, my dog Cannon. Lately, he's loved to go in the backyard. He just lays out in the sun. He finds the sunniest spot. He just lays there and you can just see his face. He just He's just receiving it. Uh, that that list of things, the sun, nature, sport, food, conversation, laughter, it's when we submit ourselves in many ways to God's sovereignty over giving us these things that we'll find joy. And ultimately, I I think what happens is, so if you make an idol of joy up front and you seek and strive for it, you'll never have a pure receiving of it, you won't be humble enough, then in the moment of it, In the moment of it, you see that it's not yours to have. It's not yours to demand. It's yours to receive. And then finally, I think the path to it is to always remember. This is the point of the book. This goes back to the philosophy. It's why in chapter 11, he says, Enjoy these things, rejoice in them, but remember. (laughs) Enjoy all the days of your life, but remember many dark days will be there. And this is vanity. And that is to say this. Even if we know that joy is not all that there is in life, and we can't make it an idol, and even when we get a humble heart and receive it, there needs to be, I think, an ingredient to joy is to realize that it can be taken from you and actually that, that this life contains non-joy. In other words, you only know joy, you only know goodness when you're realizing and aware of, when you've been sober-minded enough to know bad times. You taste sweet things by having a kind of lack of good things. And so Solomon in that says, sense says our joy can be enhanced and in fact is enhanced when we realize that ultimately joy in this life is not the point. And I would say if I could give a pithy statement about this book, if you would say, here's what I want to learn from this, is to open hands, humbly receive from God, actually enjoy this life, like for a moment, just stop and pause and stop striving and wondering about what others think of you or you think of yourself or you've accomplished this enjoy good things but also to realize that we can expect joy constantly and joy ultimately, joy ultimately in this life, joy in this life, now joy eternally is a separate story, but joy in this life is not the point. So I could say it in a pithy way like this, joy points, it is not the point. Joy received from God points to him, points to the way that we've been designed ultimately to live in perfect joy forever, to receive Jesus who becomes for us our joy, who desires our joy, our our overflowing joy, So joy points somewhere. It is an arrow. It is not the point. And that, I believe, is the teaching of Ecclesiastes. It's a philosophy book, but it begs us. It begs us. Remember your creator. Know who he is. Know that this life is not everything. Stop striving. Stop trying to command all that you have. Relax. Receive. Humbly submit to the good gifts that God has given you, knowing the whole time that this life And what you get here is not the point. Joy, joy points us places. But if you make it the point, we'll be sorely disappointed. Again, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope that you've been driven to the pages of Ecclesiastes. Best thing you can do, even after hearing me ramble on, is read the book. Thanks.